Good morning, Woodland Hills. God bless you guys. I'm Greg Boyd, senior pastor here uh, at uh, Woodland Hills, and really glad that you made the choice to join us this morning or whenever it is that you're tuning in here. Won't be very long. Soon and very soon, we'll be back together. It's going to be happening soon. We're coming down this, the, the final stretch here, so hang in there. I, I think we should give a hat, a, a, a Woodland Hills round of applause to Shauna, because what you don't know is that, that, that Shauna has had a rough morning. Uh, among other things, she got up to find out someone has stolen her, her van, uh, her family van. So I hope you have insurance. <laughs> Otherwise, we're going to take another offering here to cover that van. But man, way to go. And she composed, I mean, she's pulled, pulled it together, and nothing's going to keep that, 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 that lady down, I'll tell you. Way to go, way to go, way to go. I, I want to give a, a shout-out also to uh, Tara Beth for uh, delivering her message, uh, great message last, last week. It's a message that uh, really had a, a sting to it, if you know what I mean. Uh, okay, so it's the kind of message where you've got to watch it. Usually you can just listen to a message, that's fine. But uh, Tara Beth's message last week, uh, you've got to watch it. Um, because this lady takes on a hornet uh, about two-thirds of the way into her message. Right, right when she's getting to this real personal part, the, the emotive part and all that, there's this hornet. We saw it in the room here before you guys could see it on screen, but it was flying over here, and I was thinking, that can't be good. And it was carrying something. I mean, this was a huge hornet, and it looked like it was carrying some string or something. It, I, I, it's going to lasso her or something. But I was watching that thing thinking, oh, hey, Lord, I rebuke it. Uh, but it nevertheless found its way, first made a pass at her, and she ducks out of the way. And uh, then it gets caught in her hair. And, uh, and she does this bob and, and twist and throws the microphone off. And it turns out she's got a real phobia about bugs. So I was so impressed. Tara Beth, you, the way you recovered from that. That was, and then she goes all ninja on, on this thing. Like, it, it ends up on the ground, and I, I'm not exaggerating. She, with her heels, went, hey Oh, man, that thing didn't stand a chance. Anyways, great job, Tara Beth, uh, and you recovered just, just excellently. So we're, we're looking at this passage, Matthew uh, chapter 5, verses 23 through 26, and it reads like this. Can you make it a little bigger for me? Okay. So when you are offering your gift at the altar, if you remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave, it, leave your gift there before the altar and go. First be reconciled to your brother or sister, and then come and offer your gift. Um, so, so what's going on in this passage, just to kind of summarize what, what Tara Beth covered last week, is, is Jesus is here giving us, uh, laying out for us how we are to be fulfilling the law as he fulfills the law, by fulfilling the intention of the law. And that involves having a righteousness that is, goes beyond the righteousness of the Pharisees and the Sadducees and others who are upholders of the law. Because this righteousness, which is really just right-relatedness, covenantal faithfulness, it's something that's not just to characterize our behavior, but to characterize our inner world as well. And so he, he, Jesus gives us this radical teaching where the, the difference between what appears and what doesn't appear is utterly inconsequential. In fact, appearance doesn't matter at all. Uh, the only thing that matters is what is real. And when, you're, when, you, when your focus is on what is real, your focus can't then be on how, how do things appear. In fact, you can never get to the real until you give up worrying about how things appear. So Jesus says it's not enough that, 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 that you don't murder. That, that's great. But, but do you, in, in your inner world, do you have the kind of attitudes um, the kind of judgments that lead to murder. Are you murdering people in your heart? And Jesus is saying these are the same thing. Are you harboring anger in your heart? Uh, are you, do you have insult thinking going on in your heart? You fool. Uh, you moron. You idiot. 
And so, so this teaching here requires us to take an introspective look at what is real in our life. Are we really rightly related or do we just put on like we're like, rightly related? We act like we're rightly related. We say the right words, we do the right things, all that stuff. But what's really going on in our heart? And the minute you start looking at that, I mean, all of us, let's be honest. Maybe there's a saint or two out there that, for whom this is not true, but I haven't met him yet, I don't think. But for all of us, our, our, our exterior is better than our interior. And, and, and so this is a challenging teaching. This is a real challenge. What is real? What is real? And that's how the righteousness goes beyond the righteousness of the Pharisees and Sadducees. We don't just, have, we don't act, just act loving. We, we are, are to be a people who are actually loving, uh, inside and outside. And then, then, then Jesus moves on to talk about relationships. And what this kingdom living looks like in terms of relationships is that God's calling us by the power of spirit. He's calling us and empowering us to have, be as concerned with our horizontal relationships with other people as we are with our vertical relationship with God. This is another thing that Terabeth fleshed out just before the hornet struck. Um, that, uh, and it's a motif that runs throughout the whole New Testament, that our relationship with God and our relationship with others are two sides of the same coin. That's why Jesus, when he's asked, what's the greatest command? He says, well, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, body, and soul. But I, he has to add a second. The second is just like it. He's saying this is the other side of the coin. Love your neighbor as yourself. You can't do one without doing the other. And so Jesus gives this teaching here where he says, here's how urgent this is. If you go to the altar, he's talking about the temple in Jerusalem here where you offer your sacrifices. If you go to make a sacrifice, you have an offering there, and then all of a sudden you remember that someone's got something against you. Uh, you, You haven't closed out an account with somebody. There's some undone business. He says, leave that gift there and go and reconcile. First, get reconciled. And it's an incredible teaching because some of these folks, if you're coming from Galilee or even north of there, it's a couple-day journey down to Jerusalem to make that offering. And so now you've got to travel a couple days to go back and reconcile before you go, go back and offer your gift. And what he's just saying there is this. Keeping our accounts uh, clean with other people. Making sure that there's not pollution between us. Not held grudges, anger, judgments. Keeping that, that, that clean is a matter of utmost urgency. I mean, you would think that nothing could be more important than uh, uh, worshiping God, right? Well, Jesus says... Well, there's one thing that is as important as that is keeping your account clean. Because I don't, God's saying, don't think you're okay with me if you're not okay with your brother or sister. So it's a matter of utmost urgency to keep the accounts clean. So it forces this question on us, and that is, are, are, do we have any grudge against somebody, any judgment against somebody? Are we walking around with that? And does somebody have a judgment against us? And what Jesus is saying here is that if that is the case, our highest priority has got to be to resolve that. Our highest priority got to be to resolve that. Um, don't walk around with open accounts, undone business, insulting thinking going on in your head. I can't believe you did this. Did this. And, and, and ultimately, I think Jesus is doing this not it's because this is what it means to be rightly related. This is what it is to be righteous. But because this is the only way to stay that way. When we internalize pollution, when we, uh, those judgments, when we ruminate on them, we think about them, they are cancer. You may not experience it right away, not, not in the first moment, but it is, it is secreting poison into your spirit to walk around harboring judgments. So do you have anything against someone, and does someone have something against you? Now, the minute you ask that question, all sorts of other questions pop up. 
Like, like, what do you do with somebody who, you know, you've tried to reconcile, but they don't want to reconcile? Or you thought you reconciled, but they keep treating you like crap. What do you do with that? You forgive them, but they keep on doing the thing that you forgave them for. You're supposed to just keep on forgiving? Uh, is there a point where you just say, okay, enough of this? Um, what, what about, uh, you know, somebody who thinks that, that, that you haven't forgiven them just because you don't like them? <laughs> you know, you, you don't want to hang out with them. And so they think that you're still holding a judgment against them. There's all these kind of questions like this. Relationships are messy, messy, messy things. It's way above my pay grade to be able to answer those things. So this morning, we decided to invite a panel of experts who will answer every question that we've ever had about relationships. Uh, this is why we pay them the big bucks. So I'd like to welcome up here on stage. We have Shauna, little love Shauna, whose car just got stolen. Oh, my God. And Rob no. Kistler and Lambert Fisher. God bless you guys. So glad that you're here. So we'll start with Shauna. Uh, but what, what inquiring minds want to know is, have you forgiven already? Have you forgiven that person who ripped off your van? Uh. It, yeah. Wow. What a work in progress we all are. <laughs> Don't you love how God gives you like the opportunity to fully enact and walk out <laughs> yeah. what you're learning and teaching? Oh, my word. Uh, yeah. Um, well, whew, okay. Okay. So I, 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 yeah. I'm going to assume that you've worked through that. You're okay. Yeah. And that's, pray We're for Shauna. That, it's wonderful. Yeah, I know. Okay. So, so here's a question that more seriously. Um, but we, so we often hear uh, messages yeah. that if you've got an issue with somebody, you've got to take care of that mm -hmm. and uh, work that through. And that is tough enough. Yeah. But Jesus here says, if someone has something against you, mm -hmm. um, that you have to, even if you don't have anything against them, you have to leave your gift and go and reconcile. Um, do you think that's significant, or is that just a different wording? Or what do you think about that, Sean? Nope, not significant at all. <laughs> just focus <laughs> on others. What a dumb question. <laughs> Don't look here. No. Um, you know, here's the funny thing about Jesus, at least the way I have found in my relationship with him. It's, it's so beautiful how so many times he comes for the others, for those who have been downtrodden, outcast, cast aside. Um, and he tends and he tells you you're beautiful. He tells you you're accepted. He tells you you're loved. And it's wonderful, right? And you receive a lot of healing in that place. And then he does this really annoying thing where he says, however, you still have some stuff like that you need to deal with. You maybe have harmed someone else. You maybe have um, hurt someone and you have to deal with that. And so many times I want to say, but no, Jesus, let's just say in this place of me worshiping you and you loving on me and bringing healness and wholeness to me. And, and it's so important, like you just said, our, our relationships, our right relatedness with others, it's, it's very important to him. And he doesn't let that go. Mm -hmm. So much so that he says, like we just read in the scripture, like if you are coming to worship me and, you, and, and it comes to mind that someone else has something against you, go make that right. And so <laughs> what that speaks to me is, is we have a responsibility um, just as much as we do to the Lord that to, uh, to others in our life to ensure that we are taking care of business and asking for forgiveness and trying to promote healing where it's necessary. I think that we can't grow fully. We can't even fully be healed if we're not willing to take a look in the mirror and see uh, maybe where we have some work to do and we have some places where we need to go and be um, reconciled to others or ask forgiveness of others or just clean things up that maybe were left a little messy. Mm. I don't like it. <laughs> I'd rather focus nope. on da da da. But so, like you've talked about this a lot, Greg, about the speck in our eye versus someone else and all that. Like we have to take care of our business. We have to make sure that we are right related to others. 
um, and also to the Lord and, and, and other, other directions that we've talked about. But we can't just go about doing all the good godly things and think that we can just treat others like, you know, mm-hmm. who? Yeah. Badly. Let's put yeah, it that way. Yeah. We have to make sure that we are in right relationship with other people. It's such a uh, counterintuitive at least in our fallen nature, it's, it's, mm-hmm. if someone comes and says, I got an issue with you, or, you know, uh, I, um, it's the your first problem. stance is, oh, yeah? yeah. Um, yeah? We get defensive. We oh, want to yeah. blame. It's, it's like, yeah, no way, it's never no our fault. And Jesus says, no, it, 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 first, if, if you think you see something in someone else's eye, first, check your own eye. And, and yeah. so the posture, I think, is it has to be, well, maybe there's something here. I have to look inside. You might be right. Someone comes and says, you're a jerk. They might be right. I have yeah. to you know, check that out. Yeah. Um, Not easy. Yeah, and, and it's, so, yeah, it, it's about dying to that self-protective uh, kind of thing, yeah. which I don't think we can do very well at all if we're, unless we're getting all of our life and our worth from Christ mm-hmm. so that we don't need yeah. to be you know, worrying about our PR department and who thinks what right. about what. And it's just so much easier to say, no, like this person hurt me and this person had this issue and that's why I acted that way. Like we can justify we always, and good. defend away, but no, like we need to take that moment to really look with the help of the Holy Spirit at ourself, our actions, our attitudes, our thoughts, and see how we've contributed to a situation. Yep. Yeah. Humility. Yeah. You know what comes to mind? It's just what? popped in my head. Lyle Larson tells this story, and so for years around here, we've heard this story that I think is really fitting, and it goes something like this. I heard it a long time ago, but um, Lyle was sitting in like his easy chair, and his two kids were playing on the floor, and one of them did something to the other, let's say pushed the other kid, and then wanted to come crawl up in Lyle's lap and wanted some, you know, cuddle time, and it's like, and so Lyle says, wait a minute, look at what you did to my other child, you know, and you need to make that right, you know. Not like, I'll never love you, but like, whoa, wait a minute, that that wasn't okay. Right. And let's make that right so then we can be close and connected. It just, it's a... It's his way of saying, you know, don't think that we're okay, that you, we're okay, everything's cool, as long as you guys aren't yeah. cool. No, yeah. you, you got to take care of that, that thing there first. Right. Yeah. But is there a, I'm just thinking of this, like I have, well, there's a lot of people who've got stuff against me. <laughs> what? <laughs> okay? What do you mean? I, I spend the rest of my life going out, you know, trying like, you know, there's a, at some point it becomes, you know, like, have you ever had this where somebody's got something against you, you try to work it out, but they still have it against you. They just don't like yeah. this about you. They just, yeah. you know, right. or they don't, you don't think right, or you don't act, you, yeah. whatever. At some point, I, I have to, I can't get them to like me, and so you have to just kind of be okay with it, right? I mean, there's a, so it, it has like a due diligence thing. Like, I have to do what is in my power, right. reasonably in my power, to try to rectify this, but I can't make the world like me. Right. Even though everyone knows I'm so likable, but right? some people don't like me. I don't know why. <laughs> All right. All right. Uh, uh, Lambert, you're, you're a therapist, so I, I, this, is, this is why I want to reserve this question for you. Um, okay. do, does being reconciled to somebody mean that you, like we say, you've got to be okay with them, but does it mean that, let's say you work through the issue, but that, that, that you're going to trust them or that you're going to like them or going to hang around with them? Or, uh, what does that mean emotionally uh, to be reconciled? Sure. Well, uh, in short, uh, no, <laughs> absolutely not. A reconcile doesn't mean you have to like someone or trust someone. Trust is in part a choice, and it's in part something that's built up over time. 
it's, it's almost like I view it as if something goes wrong, a hurt, an abuse, an offense in a relationship, we have the tendency to weld the door shut mm-hmm. to our hearts and say, because of that, I will never be comfortable with you again. I will never be able to see you as anything other than that hurt. And it's a decision that we make emotionally, more so than cognitively. But once we recognize it, then we have a choice, a responsibility of what we do about it. And so in that sense, do we automatically trust someone? We'll say, if you just forgive, if you reconcile, that means you swing the door wide open and just say, hey, I'm open to whatever you do again. But that puts us in a very vulnerable place, Mm. especially with someone who hasn't really shown that they can be trusted in that way. And so the choice to trust is the choice to unweld that door but the wise thing to do is to crack it and say, so are we going to be doing anything different in our relationships in the future? So I don't have to like you. I don't have to trust you spontaneously. But I can choose to at least see whether you're going to do something different. In the ideal world, I say I see, but I, I see how I participated in this, and I see how you participated in this. And I don't want to be dictated by it. Me neither. I don't want to see you as anything negative. Me neither. We'll work together, but we don't often live in that ideal world. It doesn't work that way. So if else is not necessarily see it, uh, seeing it in the same way and not necessarily trying to do it in the same way, then we have to do our best to protect us, to protect our emotions and to say, you know what, I'm going to control my part in this. I'm going to control how I present myself That's in this relationship. And to say, if you want to take that invitation and return it, great. But if you're saying, you know what, I see your invitation for right relatedness, I see your invitation for the future to be better than the past, but I respectfully decline. This is who I am. All the abuses, all the offenses, take it or leave it. Mm. Well, then you respectfully leave it. Yeah. You can say thank you. Not in judgment, not in, 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 in condemnation, but to say thank you, but I'm going to live healthy and choose to be in relationships with people who want to do the same thing in return. So we don't have to like them. They don't have to like us. We just have to choose what we bring to the table. Mm. And whoever else wants to join in that, then that's who do you decide who you're going to be in relationship with. But reconciling says, I want to go into that relationship with the best part of me possible. Proving that you don't have to be on Zoom to have technological difficulties. Uh, <laughs> is, is the sound coming out okay on the airwaves there? Or because it's kind of in the house coming in and out. Does, does, does he need a, a you know, you, you, you're sitting just about where Tara Beth was standing uh, when, when, when they, for all perdition, broke loose last week. So watch out for a hornet. Then they might be they're coming I'll, in I'll next. I'll keep that in mind. Yeah, so the, sometimes think that technolo- te- 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 technological problems are only with Zoom where you get your face froze right, or whatever. Right. It can happen anywhere. So right. is that. And who else want to well, follow yeah, up on that? I just want to appreciate what you were saying about it's, it's not about welding the door shut, mm. but do we crack the door open? Exactly. And then there's a journey toward trust. Yes. There's, a, there's a regaining, there's a process involved. And, and I think sometimes we look at this question with a very black and white, either I'm going to be welded shut or I have to be all the way open to complete vulnerability to the same stuff happening again, censored. Uh, <laughs> right? And, and so... There's just a process that, can, that we need to be in with, with this. Yeah. And I just appreciate your yeah, words on up, that. Following up on that, because it's a very good point. When you, look closer. Oh, following up on that, it's a very good point uh, when you bring up trust um, uh, being something that's a part of a journey. And I like to concretely think about that is trust is something that you build up over time through action and right. through consistent action at that. 
a lot of times I see people, especially in uh, broken relationships, uh, infidelity uh, in a counseling situation, and somebody will genuinely say, I want this to be better. Mm -hmm. I, what do I have to say? What do I have to do? What big speech can I do? What big gesture can I do? And oftentimes the gesture is good. The, the speech is good. But to a certain degree, it takes time to rebuild that trust. I need to see that that wasn't a fluke speech. Uh, that wasn't a fluke action. I need to see that that is the beginning of more experiences in the future. So we need to open ourselves up. If we don't open ourselves up to even seeing it, then no matter what you do, the door is welded shut. You're wasting your time. But if I crack open that door, now I'm willing to see it, and hopefully I see more things over time, and I can build that trust. Well, well, you still see, seem reserved. Yes, I am. You've earned about that much trust. Yes, right. Mm -hmm. And maybe I've earned about that much trust with you. Hopefully we can mutually be comfortable and patient with each other as we re rebuild trust over time. And if you're the only one doing it, then you do that. Keep yourself guarded. But if you can both be willing to be vulnerable about that much, then you can both build it over time. Ah. How yeah. great of a relationship that can build. Sounds like a marriage therapist. I was just going to say, I don't want, this isn't going to turn into two marriage therapists having a back and forth conversation. <laughs> I also do marriage and counseling with the same clinic that Lambers does. We're in different offices, but I want to add to that a dynamic that I see in, in the work that I do, and that is when you have, and I often see this with couples where, let's say, there's been some form of infidelity, whether that's cyber or in person, but you've got, typically it's the guy, so I'm going to be characteristic. The guy wants to get past. Let's get over this. I'm, I'm sitting in the shame of having really screwed things up. So I want us to move on as fast as I can. And typically she is sitting back here going, wait a minute, my heart is a bloody pulp right now. And this is going to take some time. So where he wants to like move along fast, she needs to move along slowly. And then that can be part of the challenge of our work is how do we come together and move forward? You think there is a, a, a for, for followers of Jesus, um, an obligation to, on the part of the person who's been wronged to at some point begin to trust? I mean, because it, 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 it can be a power position. You know, I mean, you can hold that, uh, right. that ace, you, know, right. you got the, your card and you can play that card whenever right. you want it to win any argument. Well, you're the one who had the affair. Right. Um, is there a point where it's, it's kind of mandated that you, you need to try to trust again? Or, or can it be, let me ask this, uh, can it be the case that, I mean, can trust, I think forgiveness has got to be given unconditionally because we've been forgiven unconditionally. But can it happen that trust can get killed so it's unrecoverable? And since well, Lambers and I have been doing so much talking, yeah, let's no, let no, Shauna take Shana. that. Since you said that, Greg, I think it's an important point. And Dan and I talked about this on the Musecast. Like, so many people um, see reconciliation and forgiveness as the same thing, as two sides of the same coin. Right. And I don't think that it is. I think right. forgiveness is one thing that, yeah. yes, we are called to do, work through that pain. But reconciliation is very different. Like, and I think that that's a really important distinction that we need to talk about. Um, forgiveness, yes. Forgiveness also it does not mean that we've said what you did to me was okay, right. that I invite you to do it again, right. um, that it didn't matter, it's no big deal, let's move along and get along. That's not what forgiveness is. For, what forgiveness is is saying this pain was real, but I'm not going to allow it to control me. I'm not going to yeah. let it keep me in bondage. Good. I'm going to try to repair the areas in my life that this, this wound has, has bled over onto. That's, a, that's the forgiveness mm. process, and that's very different than reconciliation, the way I see it, right? Because reconciliation right. is two parties coming together, talking through this trust, being, you know, trying to get on the same page. That's very different than 
me choosing to forgive for a wrong right. or yeah. me seeking okay. forgiveness for, from someone else. So I just wanted to throw that out there. So then yeah, yeah. would you say that, uh, to go back to the, the, the original question, yeah. is it the case that you can have forgiveness, but it, you can't reconcile? Is, it ever, is, is there ever a point where, I mean, we'd like to believe it's always possible to reconcile and, and you know, whatever, but um, can it happen that, that, that uh, the trust factor gets killed, and I don't think you can have reconciliation without some kind of trust, right? Right. When, when, you, when you bring in things like trust, then we automatically acknowledge an emotional element to this, <laughs> which if I simplify it, I, I like to say you can't quantify how hurt somebody can be. Hmm. No matter how much it seems to you on the outside, you can't say, well, if this was a small thing, you should only be hurt about that much, hmm. which means it should only take you about this much to then recover right. from it. It could be something, sometimes when somebody seems to be totally holding on to that, when they just might be a little bit more hurt than you imagine. And so the goal is, I have too much faith to say to somebody that trust is completely impossible at times. It may just take a lot longer to repair some hurts than others. And it may be so long that you might not still be around to see it. And we have the responsibility, not a responsibility to do something for somebody else, a responsibility to get over it quicker than, 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 than you find it convenient, but a responsibility to try. Because that has an impact on our relationship with God, on our relationships with other people. And if it takes longer, so be it. As long as you are doing your inner work prayerfully with the, with the people who you're in relationship with, yeah. to try to go as fast as you can, then you're doing your part between you and God. But that means you, you have to make sure that you're encouraging other people to go as fast as they need to. So if somebody has an issue with you, say, look, as far as we're concerned, I'm going to stop the offense. I'm going to stop my part in this. However long it takes you, I'm here. I'm here Wait, I'm not, I'm not going to be impatient. I'm going to say, you know what, if you're taking it too long, you don't really care. I'm here. That's my part in that reconciliation effort. And however long it takes depends on the hurt, and we'll see how it goes. Hmm. Yeah, and I also think it's important Good. to note that there are times when that person is not trustworthy. Right. Uh, and to reconcile would further perpetuate the offense, the danger, yes. the wounding. And so I think definitely we need wisdom, yeah. community yes. to come around us to help us discern some of that. So in a sense, yeah, I guess there could be. In a perfect world, kumbaya, everyone's reconciled, right? Everyone's forgiven. However, people are human, people are broken. And so if, if given the opportunity to change and that person cannot and still is offending, hurting, wounding, sometimes very seriously, then reconciliation isn't wise, yeah. necessary, mm. right. possible. Right. Right. Boy, that doesn't sound very Christian. I know. <laughs> no, but I think you're absolutely right. Where There's a yeah, I, there's, I think it's some cases in my own life where you, you do all you can to reconcile. To, yeah. to like make, you, you thought you had this kind of relationship, but something went crazy, and now it turns out it's gotten screwy. You try to reconcile, but there can come a point where you, I, I, you know, time moves on, and you, 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 there's all the things you, that are, we're called to do. You can't you know, spend all your time just trying. At some point, you have to do a cost-effective assessment. Um, and I, 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 it helps me to just, like, distinguish between the kind of judgment that discerns this from this. Okay, that's that, that, that uh, you know, uh, horizontal judgment. When we all have to do that. I trust, this person's trustworthy, this one's not. Uh, you know, I, 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 I like this person's personality. I don't like this person's, that's just, you know, preferences. Yeah. But never are we allowed to do this. Where, it, where we see ourselves, there's, a, there's an insult looking downward on, on somebody. And, and, and so I, there's been cases where I just have to realize, it, it, 
I'm trying to pick a pear off of an apple tree. You know, if, mm. if it's an apple tree, I can only expect apples, so I got to get okay with the apples. That's what you're going to get. And quit trying to get frustrated making it into something that's not. This is who they are, so accept them as they are. And uh, uh, it, maybe it's not who you thought they were, but uh, uh, that, that's the best you're going to get in this fallen world, so you just embrace them as they are. doesn't mean that you trust them. doesn't mean you want to hang out with them. Uh, maybe you don't like apples, <laughs> and they're an apple tree. But uh, it'd be idiotic to keep on trying to pick pears from them. All right, good, good. Um, uh, let's, let's come back to you, Lampers. Um, what are some of the, you know, I mentioned in my little opening that, that to uh, hang on to judgments and anger and those things, it, it, it's a pollutant. Um, how does, it, when, we, when we don't do due diligence to reconcile and to forgive and to keep a clean slate and to close out the accounts, what impact might it have on subsequent relationships or on our life in general? Sure. Uh, that, that difficulty to move forward. I'm not talking about I'm trying, actively trying to, and it's just taking a long time, that holding on to that anger and hurt for, for too long has a tendency to turn into what we commonly call baggage in relationships. There's various ways in which you use that term, but it's almost like if I'm holding on to hurt from a past relationship, for example, then when I come into a new relationship, then it can skew my perspective of that person who I'm in relationship mm. with. I can, it can skew my understanding of my own needs and says, I need you to compensate for what happened before. I'm, I'm tr distrusting what you did because of what happened before. It has an, in, uh, it has an implication on our, our ability to truly be vulnerable because of what happened before. And so we, ha we owe it to ourselves and the people who, who we're in relationship with to process that, to work through it out on our own, and to rebuild trust as appropriate. Not if somebody is not trying to earn it, but if somebody's trying to earn it and you're trying to do the same thing, then you can put, you do yourself for this, uh, a service and them a service and God a service is to be as open as possible. He could be saying, I'm trying to bring somebody in line with you, but you missed it because you're holding on to what happened before, and you missed that person who's trying to be in right relatedness with you. So in order to be in the best relationships possible in the future, we need to find a way to put the past in the past. And if the past is repeating itself, well, then that's the present now. We're not talking about that. If the past is exactly happening the same, then we're not talking about that. But if we're getting past that, then we can have healthier relationships in the future and open ourselves up to the vulnerability and faith and trust that we can have and not letting that past relationship dictate. Influence, yes, we can't avoid that. That's how emotions work. The past will influence the present. But if we're reducing its ability to dictate and limit what happens, then we'd be pleasantly surprised by what we see. Don't bring past pollution into... New relationships. Right. And else want to say anything about that? Well, I'm wondering, like, I'm wondering if you guys have had any experience with that in your lives, like where you had a wound or something happened in a previous relationship, and for whatever reason you didn't reconcile, and you found yourself years mm. later in a current relationship, and, oh, that stuff's coming up again, and mm. it's impacted the current relationship negatively. Have any of you had experience with that? Mine's kind of trivial, but, but, but it, it's the first time I became aware of this, where, um, you know, when, when I, I became a Christian when I was like 17 or so, and then God began to really deal with me at around the age of 20 about my relationship with my stepmother. Mm. I had an abusive stepmother, and... Um, uh, she left the house when I was 13, and so I just lived with my dad. And I never, I mean, that was one of the happiest days of my life. Because her and I, I mean, I just didn't like her at all. Um, and, and I don't recall ever even thinking about her. I, I wasn't angry with her. I, she, wasn't on my, she was just out of my life, and I don't ever remember having a thought about it. But at around the age of 20 or so, the Lord began to deal with me about unforgiveness towards my stepmother. And it was just, 
out of the blue. I didn't even realize it, but and and that's when the Lord really began to, to show me that that uh, you know the the grudge I was holding way deep down was uh, I was holding on to it because the there's a gulf between what I intuitively know I should have gotten from mother and what I actually got. And the gulf between these two, I needed love, but instead I got this abuse, creates this anger that I've been hanging on to and the judgment that I've been hanging on to for, for years without knowing it. Um, and, and, and so I needed to call her, and, I, you know, and, and she didn't receive it at the time, but I, I had to say I forgive you, and I gave her testimony about you know, how, what God's been doing with me. It turns out God had, was, was, had a person in this room, uh, this apartment that she was renting, who was a Christian, and it was already witnessing to her. So she was, and so my call came on top of that, and the whole thing led to her coming to Christ, and it's a beautiful story. But it was only after I released her, for, forgave her that debt, that I realized as I look back, that whenever I was dating somebody, if they showed any kind of dominance, any kind of aggressiveness, uh, or really strong opinions, that you know, I immediately lost interest in them. This is one girl that I, I really liked, uh, and we, but she always had to have her station, <laughs> always had her, and and I didn't like it. I was a KQ and she's a KWB, <laughs> and and. Um, uh, and I just lost my all interest in her, and I felt sorry, terrible because I didn't know why. All of a sudden, it's like, ah, this ain't working. And it was going great a little bit ago, but it's because of that pollution uh, it, that it's there. And so anything, any buzzer just completely collapsed any kind of feeling I had towards them. Now I love strong women. <laughs> I, I, I would want to yeah. toast, you know. but um, yeah. So it, it, it carries on. Uh, I'm glad I got rid of it in time. Yeah. Yeah, it's funny. Your question and then your story kind of triggered a story for me, a little similar to yours, except that you're in this one. Um, my my dad, uh, my dad was a really a, one of those. It was a different age, very authoritative. What he said goes, and so I had no voice. I had no say so at all, and so I had this unwitting fear of male authority figures. And so then you fast forward to me joining staff about 10 years ago, and Greg, you and I were previewing a film that we were thinking about showing to the congregation and whether or not we wanted to show that. And so we're watching it, and here's Greg, the most power under, love everyone, kindest leaders you're going to find. And I'm sitting here, and, and we're watching this film together, and, he's, and it's over, and he turns to me and says, so what did you think? And I froze. I'm just, I did some little tap dance of really non-committal answer, and, and well, what did you think? And I got the ball back to him as fast as I could because I was afraid of what he might say to me exerting and having mm. an opinion. And that doesn't serve me well at all. Right, right. And it, honestly, that one doesn't have a nice bow on it. That one's still a, a thing I wrestle through now and again. Mm. But the fact that I'm sitting here doing this is yeah. testimony to the growth and the progress of that. But I've never had the chance. Now he's passed, which definitely I don't have the chance, but he never even had the emotional capacity. Again, different age, different generation, different... But you didn't talk about emotions and for sure a son never wow. said something about his dad like that. So anyways. Um, Which is amazing how th th those kind of things just carry over. Yeah. If we're not aware of them, they, yeah. they can completely control us. Right. You know? uh, it, 
people feeling intimidated because of, you know, this reminds you of your dad or whatever. So yeah. your, your dad passed. Yeah. What can be done in cases where you, you, you can't reconcile? You can always forgive. You can, that's just releasing right. the debt. But you can't reconcile. And that leaves a kind of uh, undoneness. Is there anything that can be done to help out? Uh, it's a good question. Person? To me, that starts to shift into something more in the realm of inner healing and right. cataphatic prayer, um, Emmanuel prayer, uh, doing this kind of self-awareness work. Um, I'm talking a lot, so somebody else hop in here and say something. I mean, no, I could I keep it's rambling a great on, question but question because your story brought to mind, like, well, what if you cannot? What if that person is no longer right. walking the earth? What if you have no idea where they are or how to get a hold right. of them? What if it would be uber traumatizing, really, to try to approach them for reconciliation? Like, what can be done? Are we just a lost cause? I want to say no. But I'm not a therapist, so, <laughs> <laughs> so Lambers, put some facts to what I'm intuiting. No, you're not a lost cause. Make my but point. What? No, no, uh, uh, I, I, I agree. You're not a lost cause. It does get a little bit more practical at that point. Um, it kind of blurs over into that forgiveness line that you brought up earlier. You can do practical things like that's when we in the, in the council field will get creative and, and we help somebody write a letter to that mm -hmm. person uh, whether that person is no longer living or they're living but not safe yet because of their actions they've mm. shown no intention to and they write a letter to get that out and express I'm choosing to see you in a different way but our relationship isn't at the point where it's safe enough to do so and then that's where that internal part comes in, where we allow ourselves to pray for that person. And that's when I said, you know, I take it or leave it aspect earlier, when we can get to the point where not just saying the words, but to genuinely say, I pray for God's best in your life. I'm not holding on to the negative view of you. I'm wishing ill will for you. I don't have any desire to be in a relationship with you because of what you're still doing. But I genuinely hope that between you and God, that you guys work that out. I'm letting go of that. That's the closest thing I can get safely, and that counts. That's part of that inner healing. That's part of that That's releasing good. some of that. And it's like, you know what? I'm putting, I'm not holding on to that anymore. I'm letting that go. That's between you and God, and I genuinely hope for the best. If I get a chance to pleasantly be surprised and see the results of that, great. Yeah. If I never do, That's right. so be it. You know, I, I, I have a, a, a discipline that I do that builds on that sort of, um, and I, I've shared this a lot with the congregation at different times, that I really get into, and I find a lot of value in uh, previewing mm. the coming kingdom. Uh, and all I know about it for sure is that it'll be unimaginably beautiful because the suffering of this present age can't be compared to that glory. And, and, and so it will be more glorious than this world is sucky. <laughs> uh, and, and when you think about the suckiness of this world, that is... You know, just to break even would be in a major accomplishment, yeah. but to make it incomparably better. So I, I, it's, it's an exercise in, in, in just imagining beauty and then trying to keep on one-upping it because that, that means I'm going in the direction. And part of that beauty is envisioning future reconciliation. I really believe that even in, in, if, it, if we don't get accomplished here, you know, God's at work right now, Colossians 1, 19 and 20, to, to reconcile all things in heaven and on earth uh, to himself and to one another. Uh, by means of the blood of the cross. That's the self-sacrificial love of the cross. And so I envision, you know, I know that in the kingdom, my, me and my stepmom are going to be mm. having, we'll be dancing together. Yep. And, and I, I enjoy envisioning that. And it's also a way of making sure I don't have any grudges. I really do want the best for them. And, 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 and I envision that with other folks in my life as well. Now that can become uh, a, a, a sort of a 
pie in the sky sort of thing that can prevent you from working intensely at reconciliation now. And so it shouldn't be that. It shouldn't be a, you know, kind of a, I'll, I'll do this yep. and, 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 and short circuit the hard work of actually getting, we, right. we're, we're called to do as much reconciliation as we can here and now. But in cases where it's impossible, I encourage folks just to envision it in the future. I think that's, uh, and the beauty of that, in God's love. Yeah. Okay, yeah. so Rob. Uh, Jesus calls us to this, this uh, ethic where our inner world is as important as our outer world. And I, I don't think he's, I mean, scholars debate whether there's a little bit of hyperbole going on here or not. But, but, but however you interpret it, it's a matter of urgency. I mean, it's utmost urgency. Yeah. It's to, so to have insulting judgments yeah. towards somebody, calling someone rock a fool, yeah. you idiot, is, is the same as murder. Yeah. Of course, socially, it's a really a different gig. But, yeah. but, but in terms of what's real, it's the same thing. Right. Or to have lust is the same as a, a, adultery. Um, and, and Jesus says that, that this is what it is to enter in the kingdom of heaven. Um, my first thought is, you know, I mean, I'm a wretched sinner. <laughs> and I think for most people, when you get honest with what's going on inside of you, right. uh, you have to confess that. But how does one have hope then? I mean, it, it seems like right. the bar is impossible. If, that, if that's where the bar right. is, right. then if you, I'm, for, I'm for one a goner. Right. So yeah. it seems. And... and, and so with that, and that last statement you made about not having something be just off in the future, but here and now, where, where I see hope in this is, and actually part of one of my fears when we come to, to, to this section of Scripture is the bar can seem so high that I just hit the forget it button, the forget it button? Yeah, yeah. He yeah. Himself. Starts with an F word. Yeah. 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 Forget the, the it button. The F button, the forget it button. Yeah. 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 And, gotcha. and, and you, just, you just sit down and say, I'm just going to wait until Jesus makes it all better. Right, right, right. And we don't get that. We don't get a pass on this. And, and so I appreciated a lot Tara Beth's uh, comments about yeah. the Holy Spirit, the empowerment of the Spirit. Like, so. this is not something I'm going to generate in my own flesh. This is something I need the empowerment of the Holy Spirit to live out. That's and good. now, some of the clients I work with, when we talk about, you know, God's engagement, Holy Spirit engagement, they do this very passive thing, like God's going to just show up and make my, my mess all better. And, and so I'm often pointing out Romans 8, 5, which in essence says, those who put their minds on the things of the Spirit, gen, you know, kind of generate the things of the Spirit, those who put their minds on the flesh, the things of the flesh. And what Paul's getting at is we have a, place, a part to play in this. Right, right. We put our minds on these things. We have a part to play. And I'm wondering if maybe we could take a minute here to just talk about a couple practical ideas uh, that we have of ways that people can participate with the Holy Spirit. Um, Go ahead. Maybe I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself. I don't know. But um, I just... Do you do ACT therapy? Do you do anything with ACT? Acceptance and commitment? But no, okay. In ACT, there's this idea. Yeah, wait, 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 it's ACT? It's called ACT. Acceptance and Commitment Therapy, oh, yeah. or training, if you want to change the, the T. You accept where things are. You commit to taking action in the direction of your most important values. 
So for us as kingdom people, what is, what is living out the kingdom? And in this text, it's, it's reconciliation. So I admit, this is scary. This might be really difficult. This could be challenging. Physically dangerous, let's, let's set that one aside. But let's just talk about, it could be really a hard conversation. Yep, I accept that. But I'm committed now to living out my values as a kingdom person. And, and so mm. that's the essence of ACT. And so I'll work with people around some of that. That wasn't even the uber practical part. But something else I wanted to put in there as far sure. as, I, I think part of what we're trying to do as kingdom people, and I'm open to you guys pushing back on this, I think we're being invited by Jesus, by the Spirit, to to manifest the kingdom here and now. Right. And so this is a part of that call and that invitation to us to be people who are bringing that kingdom to earth now. I, I like the way Tara Beth uh, uh, put it in an already-not-yet context yes. last week. So right. that we're, we're to be the already as much as possible in a world that's not yet. But in, in some respects, it's like the future's calling us. The future's pulling us. That, right. that reality is there. And our job is then to align with it and be pulled along with it. Yeah. And, and so in some ways, it's like, if, if I frame it as, as sort of like what I'm supposed to achieve, then I do despair. Like, I, I, I will, yes. you know, be uh, pure in, inside and outside, free of all anger. It's like, I, I can't do that. Right. But if I see this as a vision of who I really am yeah. and what God's going to partner with me to, to bring about... Yeah. Then, then I can have hope. I, I yeah. can get a picture of that. I can get a vision right. of that. I can be, have faith for that. Right. And then that very faith is what kind of pulls me in that direction. Yeah. Okay, we'll, we'll someday get there. Mm-hmm. Keep growing. Yeah, I like to picture it as, we say this around here all the time, God meets us where we're at. And I think sometimes we can always think about, like, he did that in the Old Testament. He met people where they, where they were at mm-hmm. and then accommodated, blah, blah, blah. But what I like to think of it is in the here and now is, is God meets us where we're at in regards to working with our anger or with uh, or forgiveness or lack thereof. And he um, gives us a vision for what it could be. Mm-hmm. And so he meets us where we're at, gives us, if we allow him to, the power, the, the strength. Um, he brings about some healing so that's that good. we can move in yeah, that yeah. direction. And so that's what's helpful for me. Because if you look at it as a whole and be like, yeah, I'll never get there. I guess I'll just wait until yeah. the right. sweet by and by. Okay, well, have fun sitting right. there doing nothing in life. Yeah. Yeah. But if you recognize that he meets you where you're at to help you take care of what you need to take care of, to move you in that direction of the not yet, but you're moving toward that. And so it's kind of bringing it to the already. Wow. That's great. Yeah. Good. Yeah, my, uh, remind myself of trying to stay relational as much as possible. We talked about earlier, somebody else may have harmed us, but we may have harmed somebody else. Uh, one of the things that, uh, in that, in that pray for God's best uh, mindset, is I try to picture myself as having the potential to be what God you know, sees me to be, my mm. best potential, and to see other people as having the same potential, whether I can see it right now or not. Yeah. And so it's almost like in there, somewhere, yeah. is God's best for you. Now, there's some baggage on the outside, some past experiences that you may have had that are clouding that view, that are stopping me from being able to see it and you from being able to express it. But I'm still choosing to yeah. see the best in you, and I'm going to treat you based on that best, whether you've deserved it, whether you've earned it or not, whether you returned it or not. But I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to offer that to you and try not to judge you while I'm trying not to judge myself. It won't always be easy, but if we see that, then we can bring the future into the present because we can see that and let that guide hmm. us, let that influence us as much as reasonably possible. Yeah. It just struck me that, that you know, we're, we're starting Holy Week this week, and, and it struck me that you know, on the cross, 
that's, God meets us at the bottom. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the cross reveals just, we're far worse sinners than we think. Um, we're, we're in such serious shape that it required God going to this extreme in order to save us. Uh, but then uh, he meets us on the bottom to bring us to the top, and that's what the resurrection is all about. Uh, and, and that uh, we, we, we join him in his death, and we will join him in his resurrection. And, and John says in 1 John 3 that, that, you know, beloved, we are the children of God. He calls us children because that's what we really are. Uh, we really are children of God. It doesn't always look that way. And he says that. He goes, but it doesn't yet appear what we shall be. But we do know this, yeah. that when he appears, uh, we shall see him as he is, for we shall be like him. And the idea is there is like knows like. We have to be like him to, in order to be able to see him. And someday, right now we see through a mirror darkly, but we'll see face to face and we shall behold him and uh, we shall share in his glory and it will be marvelous. So our job here is to have faith. That, that, as crazy as it sounds, that is the, 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 the true us, the one that is free of anger, the one that's free of lust, the one that reconciles all that. Uh, and our job now is to be manifesting, since that is what's real, uh, our job is to be putting off everything that's inconsistent with it right here and right now. Can I get an amen? Hallelujah. Amen. amen, brother. Glory, 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 glory. Okay. Um, we do a lot of things, as you know, Shauna, a lot of things around personality yeah. profiles here. Janice is really into the, you know, uh, Myers-Briggs and all that kind of stuff. Um, what role do you think that just, you know, personalities can be really different? Uh, and some are, get along with, with, some types get along with other types better and others drive you crazy. Uh, how does that play into this whole reconciliation relational thing? I mean, so I'm not an expert again. However, I think it just makes sense to me. Like we, we all have personalities and, and, and personality types. Like none of us are neutral. We're not robots, right? Which means that things affect us. We perceive things differently than others do. We see things through a certain grid than others do. And so I think conflict will naturally arise when we see things through our grid or um, by our temperament or our personality, and if Rob sees it differently, and I refuse to acknowledge that the way Rob sees it is another possibility. Just because I don't see it that way, I don't experience it that way, I, I didn't translate it that way, but Rob does, it doesn't mean that he's right and I'm wrong. Really, it doesn't mean that I'm right and he's wrong. So <laughs> um, I think it's important to recognize who we are how we're wired, how we're built, how, you know, what, we, what kind of things that we respond to. Um, and, and not everyone sees it or responds or interacts that way. I mean, so there's going to be natural conflict there. Um, and I think the danger is, is when we refuse to think that there's another option. Mm-hmm. Like, you're wired differently than I am. Shocker. There would be, there's another option for how to, to um, see something, respond to something, think about something. And if I consistently see my way as the only way, then everyone else is going to be wrong. They're going to be othered. They're going to be, you know, all the things that we could come up with negatively. And then I, I would think that it would make it hard for us to meet in the middle and to, and to um, resolve conflict, mm-hmm. be reconciled yeah. to, for there to be forgiveness. Again, I'm not an expert, so I'd love to hear from <laughs> from the experts on the stage that about that. But that just yeah, seems yeah, to yeah. make sense, right? Like we're all different, we're all wired differently, and so we're going to engage one another in different ways. You have four kids. You're <laughs> an expert do. on different personalities. <laughs> Thank you, Rob. Nice. I am an expert. Yeah. Yeah, this, and that's the thing. It's like you have to be willing to see the possibility of another side, another angle, mm-hmm. yeah. another yeah. take. So it's funny. I, Mary took my water bottle down, but sometimes when I'm working with somebody, 
I will, I will take an object, any old, really kind of any and old object, and I will say, Sean, and tell <laughs> me. Throw it at him. No. no, that's Mary. <laughs> she, Mary's the thing thrower. <laughs> the projectile. But I will say, yeah. um, what, describe for me what you see. And so you would say, I see a, go ahead and tell me what you see. A black water bottle. If you see anything else other than the black water bottle, can you see any other perspective than just the black? Do you see anything there other than just the black? No. Yeah, your face behind it. And it, so well, your if you're getting it. this, you, how, Lambers, how can she not be seeing? There is just, and then, and then we start to assassinate character and start to say how dumb she is. How do you not see the state of Minnesota on, on the water bottle? Right? And so obviously it's there. But then, of course, I turn it, and you can see the others. You see my perspective. Yeah. And so it's a simple example to, to kind of make that point. But. Yeah. One, of, one of the things that um, gets in the way of some of those reconciliation efforts is genuine misunderstandings. Mm -hmm. Because we see things from our perspective, and whether you call it nurture or nature, we have certain things that uh, contribute to how we are. So as far as personality types, I can think of uh, not necessarily uh, titles, but just that practical side. Uh, I often see couples where their ways, their temperaments are completely different. One's more loud, one's more soft, one's more mm -hmm. uh, assertive, one's more, more uh, reserved. And it's easy for us to conclude that the way we are is obviously the best way. Right. I mean, we've lived this way for a very long time. It's helped us out in a lot of different situations. So clearly you're not telling me that my way is wrong. Well, if we don't take the time to understand why that's the case, then we miss our, uh, our, the interpretations we make about other people. And so I can work with a couple, and, and, they can, and after exploring all the details, say, well, I'm quiet because I grew up in a house where there was a lot of fighting and a lot of yelling, and, and then they, they divorced and then they separated. So I told myself, I'm never going to raise my voice. I'm never going to yell. See, the way I preserve my relationship is speaking calmly and quietly. So when you yell, it's almost like you want us to get divorced. You mm. want to cause discord, but the other person can say, no, I grew up in a house where they kept everything to themselves, right. and they had so many feelings, but they kept it reserved, and I said, when I get in a relationship, I'm going to speak my mind, I'm going to be assertive, mm. and so the fact that you're quiet says you want us to get divorced. You want to perpetuate my hurt, and they're speaking from their authentic self, from the experiences, and they're trying to do the same thing, but missing each other. They're misunderstanding each other. And so your way is hurtful to me. Your way is offensive to me when I haven't taken the time to figure out what you're actually trying to do. And maybe we can find some compromise. Sometimes it's I can just understand what you're trying to do, which is different than what I've experienced in the past. And I just need to learn that. Other times it's you, if you really care about me, need to learn how hurtful that is, and at least in my presence. Not change your whole life, but at least with me, can you calm it down a little bit? Because that's hurtful to my mm -hmm. ears. That's hurtful to my heart. And can we find that compromise? It won't be a one-size-fits-all kind of thing. Right. But if we judge other people's personalities and say different means bad, yeah. and mm -hmm. different is offensive automatically, then we miss out on right. the possibility for a greater relationship. So when other isn't bad, when other isn't defensive uh, or offensive, then we can say, how can we learn how to coexist? And to say, you know what, I'm not comfortable doing that. But I see how, you know what, that personality style comes in handy. You know, I'm a little bit more reserved at the restaurant, but it's nice to have that friend who's going to speak up and say, this is unacceptable here. <laughs> you know, I don't like it all the time, but yeah, yeah, we're going to need to have you around sometimes. And if we do that on the more important things, then we can appreciate the variety of different personality types for all the ways in which we can be in relationship and enhance what we have. Yeah, I, I, I try to remind myself whenever there's somebody who's, you know, 
their personality, they always bring up this issue, or they always have to point out this, and it irritates you, you know? Uh, Shauna just bugs me crazy. crazy, crazy. And I can't, I can't you love it. me. You <laughs> no, but to remind myself that this is a, uh, um, uh, this is a complimentary thing, if you can handle it, if you treat it like that. We need each other, because we all have our different perspectives, and um, they're all myopic, but that takes humility to be able to say, you know, that you know, I, I need that. It may be irritating to me. You know, just tip my head a little bit on our marriage. Hello, honey. <laughs> uh, but uh, initially, when, when Shelly and I first got married, um, you know, I, I'm a slob. I, I just leave clothes all around. Just, uh, Shelly's not. She's very tidy. She <laughs> folds everything. Da, da, da. And, and at first, uh, you know, she, she thought when, when I would, like, take off my pants and leave them on the ground and not pick them up and fold them, that I was expecting her to do that. And, and, and she's like, like I'm not going to be your household slave and pick up after you, and I don't want you to marry your mother and whatever. And it's like, no, honey, I, I'm not, I'm, when I leave my pants on the ground, I'm not doing it expecting you to pick them up. Hmm. I don't expect them to get picked up. That's where pants belong. <laughs> if you're not wearing them, they should be on the ground. I, mean, I, I don't even notice it. But in, in her frame, it's like, oh, you expect me to do all that work or whatever. And so we had to kind of, that's, that's the only issue we've ever had in our marriage. And, and we worked through it pretty good. There don't you go. It's, uh, but so, bottom line, Shelly is a saint, <laughs> and so we all need to be praying well, for her. Well, I, I have, I think, I, I, I have improved. You know, we talk about meeting in the middle. So, given that, you know, that's how she's inclined to interpret it, I don't want to, I'll try to, you know, remember to pick up stuff as much as possible, uh, as much as possible. And then she has to adjust her scales, knowing how, <laughs> yeah. how little that's possible. <laughs> Sorry about that. You know, it, it helps me to remember that I, I read this study a couple of years ago where, um, actually, yeah, there's a bell curve on this, but, but people are pretty much hardwired hmm. to either lean left or lean right on social issues, political issues, or whatever. It's part of their wiring. Hmm. The way they view the past, uh, conservatives tend to view the past yep. as, as something that's positive and the future's kind of fearful, so you want to hold on to tradition, and, uh, whereas the more progressive-minded folks tend to see the future as positive and the past as negative. And that's, that's, just, you're, you're, that's nurturing has something to do with it, but a lot of it is simply built in. Yeah. And, 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 and so you... It makes no sense to declare, to, to declare war on somebody because they think differently. It's like declaring war on them because they're left-handed. Yeah. You know, it, it's different, and actually, those are, can be complementary if we can work together and not demonize one another. Amen. Okay, what is, uh, uh, last question here. Um, what are one or two things that, uh, let's just kind of go down mm -hmm. the, the, the pipe here. Let's start with Rob. Uh, what, would what, be, what are one or two things that you what, would like to leave uh, the audience with that they should never forget about relationships? Well, it wouldn't be a Woodland Hills Church service without a book recommendation. Ah, there you go. So, yeah, uh, it's not my book, so forget about oh, it. Oh, right. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, so Ken Sandy wrote the book, The Peacemaker, and it's just a fantastic book on this whole process. And if you only get it for the story that is right before the first chapter... And the appendix, the first appendix, which talks about, it's just a list of things for you to think about and consider as you're going to enter into a, a peacemaking conversation with someone or a reconciliation conversation. Just those two things are outstanding. So, Thanks, Rob. And don't, right. forget, don't forget the warfare element of all this. The enemy doesn't want you That's a good point. to reconcile. Quit. Practically speaking, I'll go back to the uh, the welded door 
uh, picture. I'm a, I'm a very mm -hmm. big uh, visual picture person. Mm -hmm. And so it's a personal challenge to make sure you're assessing, you're, you're exploring any welded doors, any relationships mm -hmm. that you have in your life. Yes. If it needs to be there because there's an active threat, then fine, keep it locked. But that welded door implies that there's nothing that they can ever do which has a certain irredeemable quality to it. No matter, no matter what God says, I don't even think there's anything that could ever come. And so if you open yourself up to that, even just between you and God, it's like, God, help me to see what you see. And if it becomes safe, if it's the right time, then let me know when. No sooner, no later. Help me to protect myself, but also not block myself off to potential relationships in the future. I can't tell you when, nobody else can tell you when, but between you and God, hopefully you can improve and salvage more relationships than you may think. That's great. That's great. I, I would, uh, I guess, just reiterate that, that um, uh, the urgency of, of uh, paying attention to, to that. Like, it's so easy. I think, I think we acclimate to our own anger. We, I, we get so used to it. It's just, we, we just walk around with it. We don't even know it's it. It's like, you know, it, it, I grew up in a house where my dad always had a cigarette. Mm -hmm. So I never noticed the smell of smoke. Mm -hmm. Now, I had, Choke me, but yep. but um, we get used to it, and 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 so I would encourage people to really take seriously this the, the introspective element here. Uh, do a scan, and, and I, I I would make it a regular practice. You know, just do a, a scan and ask the Holy Spirit, search my heart, yeah. reveal anything unclean in me, uh, and unclean would be anything that's not rightly related, a judgment that we have, and and then when we find it, to take make it a matter of urgency to get rid of that. Uh, it, those little things, they're not public, and so we, we, we tend to put a priority on things that are seen, things that are public, which is why this teaching is so radical. Um, when, in, in fact, our, our, our inner world is as important, and, and, uh, uh, and yeah, so to, to, to treat that as though it was a, everyone could see it. If, if everyone could see it, you'd want to get rid of it real quick. Well, right. God sees it, so get rid of it real quick. Uh, as, as a matter of urgency. Shauna, why don't you close us out? Yeah, thank you so much. Thank you guys for being here. Thank you guys for tuning in and joining us. The only thing I will add uh, super quickly is just like, if possible, have folks around you, have some community around you that can help you through this process yes. because sometimes we've gotten so used to our stuff, our anger, and so we mm. just can't see it. We don't know that we've welded something hey, shut. And word. so it's really good to have folks that can say, hey, what about this? So, all right. So if you would like... Uh, to continue this conversation, you can do so a couple of ways. Number one, you can hop um, onto the gathering groups that happen during the week. We will discuss this sermon, and you can process that out with some other folks via Zoom. You can also watch the Musecast. Uh, we will talk more about all of this stuff then on Tuesday afternoon at 4. And if you are uh, tuning in right now and you do have prayer needs and you would like to uh, join someone in prayer, we have prayer counselors available to you. So just hop online and um, follow the link, and you can come to, into agreement with someone about some prayer. Thanks for joining us, you guys. Thanks, Lambers. Thanks, Rob. Thanks, Greg. Thanks, Shauna. <laughs> <laughs> Have a great day. <laughs>